Welcome to the Principal Liner Notes Podcast. This is Sean Gaylord coming to you with another uh, return, if you will. Very, uh, it, it doesn't happen too often uh, that, that I have a uh, returning guest, and I am very grateful to have back on the podcast, Megan Lawson. Megan, welcome back. It is such a treat to be back. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm still reflecting upon and, and enjoying and savoring our last conversation. Same here as well. And and I know that uh, since that conversation um, on the la- your last visit, which I guess was was a couple of weeks ago, it, it really is it, it really is great when when we take the time in in our respective gigs, to, to sit down and, and think and and reflect and share with another thought partner, whether it's through a podcast, whether it's, you know, after a faculty meeting or after a departmental meeting or district meeting. And uh, it th- this is like, um, I, I kind of imagine what this conversation, you know, we're, we're in a, we're in a district meeting and, and then everybody walks to, to the parking lot. Right. And then there's the, <laughs> the meeting or, or conversation afterwards and 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 you find you find kinship or you find empathy or you you find understanding and 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 that's kind of what this is right i'm smiling at that metaphor because i often say that you know a meeting or a learning session was a good one when people aren't running to escape the room right they they linger they want to talk more and that is exactly how our last conversation felt. So here we are wanting to linger and talk more. Absolutely. So thank you for that linger and talk more. And and I know kind of our purpose for, for this follow-up conversation is the, um, the rabbit hole that we went down last conversation on the, uh, the television series, the bear. And, and after the podcast that you were on, you then wrote um, a blog post, uh, which which kind of took on the bear. And and if you could, for those that haven't, uh, that one uh, don't follow your blog, and they should, or haven't, or they had, they do follow your blog, and and they haven't had an opportunity to to read that masterful post. Uh, maybe just kind of encapsulate a little bit of, 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 of what you wrote. Oh, sure. Thank you for mentioning it. So in, in the show, the bear, there's a character named Mark Marcus, who is pursuing, you know, he's a chef, but he's pursuing pastry chef. And he goes to Copenhagen to study under um, a guy named Luca, another chef. And there's this scene where the two of them are working side by side. And I talk about that in my blog. I love that as a nice metaphor for our work, uh, being shoulder to shoulder in the work. And as they're working with this dough, Marcus is very curious about what made Luca so successful. And I found this conversation so thought provoking because sure, Luca talks about all kinds of things, you know, being in a very highly competitive environment and working with somebody who he always thought was a couple steps ahead of him, always better than him and how that pushed him to work harder. But then he goes on to say that he believes that some of the best 
work that he has seen is not from someone's master for full skill or, you know, from even their discipline or their hard work, though all of that is quite important. He goes on to say that some of the best things are good because they were inspired. And he goes on to say, you know, that if you can spend all of the time in the world in here, um, and if you're thinking about it from the school perspective, we can spend all of the time in the world in school and working on school stuff. But if you don't spend enough time out there experiencing the world outside of your profession, um, you know, and then he just sort of lets that linger, but we're to assume that we're not going to be able to get to the level of inspired, impactful work that we desire. I just thought that's incredibly thought provoking for us as educators, as we all work to make a really inspired and meaningful impact on students. Yeah, that, uh, that episode. And, and here's another disclaimer that I probably should have said at the very beginning, we were talking about this (laughs) pre-show is for those of you who have not seen the bear and you do not wish to learn any more about the, the outcome of season one and season two, um, this is not a spoiler free episode, uh, of the podcast. So we are going to, uh, share as, um, as we've both seen both seasons. So, you know, press pause, uh, or, or press stop and, 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 and go, uh, do, do something, uh, else (laughs) or read, read Mm -hmm. Megan's blog post, uh, or her other, her other, uh, her other blogs, uh, as well. Um, but, but, um, and, and, and you can read Megan's blog at, at meganlawson.com and it's Megan with, with an H. So I, I just want to say for, cause we're, we're going to, we're going to talk very freely and openly about, about the, um, the bear. So, uh, this would be a good place to stop. So I'm going to do a pregnant pause. Okay. Now we can talk about the bear. <laughs> All right. So welcome back to the principal ladder. Okay. Um, so, so Megan for, and that, that Copenhagen one from a technical standpoint, that episode, like the entire series is filmed so beautifully. It makes me want to jump on a plane and, and just move, move to, to Copenhagen and, and live on a houseboat and, and feed and feed an invisible cat named Coco. Uh, <laughs> where, where, where do you see um, that with educators, that connection for us to, to learn outside? And I know I riffed on that a little bit, a couple of episodes ago, but I, I was just kind of curious from your standpoint, where do you see that learning outside of yourself or outside of your realm? How does that, how does that resonate for you? Mm. I appreciate you asking that. And then I want you to maybe share for yourself because I'm intrigued by what you might say. Sure. I think in my case, I, I'll just use books as an example. I love to read and I think there was a period of time in my career at the time I was a classroom teacher where most of the books I was reading were technical, like science of education books, which are certainly very important. You know, we want to ensure that we're using high yield strategies grounded in research. 
but I think what I'm learning as I progress through our profession, as more years pass, I'm learning how important it is to read books that aren't specific to our profession, um, that aren't specific to the world of work, period. Uh, I think the more we allow ourselves to be exposed to ideas or you know, creative thinking that we can use to make connections to our work, the more inspired or creative um, or inventive our work can become. As an example, uh, and there's actually a reference to this text in season two of The Bear, yes. but Unre Unreasonable Hospitality by Will Gadara is one of the best books that I would say I've read in the last year. I believe it came out about this time last year. And uh, for those who, who may not know, Will Gadara turned 11 Madison Park into um, the number one restaurant in the world. Like he was in the top you know, 50. And he talks about how he did it. And, and the subtitle of Unreasonable Hospitality is the remarkable power of giving people more than they expect. Mm -hmm. And in his book, it's very much so about the customer experience. And we can get into in a little bit uh, how this book is connected to season two of The Bear. But in the meantime, I would say an example for me of making a connection to education. I think a miss on our part as educators is often we forget that we too have customers. Uh, the students that we serve in classrooms, the parents in our community, the communities themselves. And I think if we find more opportunities to elevate people's experience and give them more than they expect, uh, I think, you know, learning goes up, um, learning becomes more interesting and fun and people start to want to, to do more than, than we originally expected of them as well, because they're, um, you know, excited about the experience they're receiving every day. So, I think that's just one example um, in my case where stepping outside of even education books has given me perspective about what it looks like to do the work in school. Yeah, I um, I would say to that for, for me, um, the uh, the Simon Sinek uh, TED Talk, and then and then later the the book that evolved from that, Start with Why, was was my mm. first entry into learning things outside of the world of education, and um, that that was that was both a life changing and and career changing moment for me when when I first saw that TED Talk. Um, I I. Uh, I do need to track down uh, a, a unreasonable hospitality, as as you mentioned. Um, so I, I I do see a run to the bookstore probably after this, this <laughs> after we record it. But but I, it also got me thinking too in in season two of of Stacy reading leading with heart the Coach K book. Um, oh yeah, right. You know, and and how here she is finding inspiration uh from college basketball to to help as as they're creating um you know the the restaurant that is now known as as bear in 
the bear in, in, in season two. And, and, and then, you know, as to, to, to also answer your, your question. So thank you for, for throwing it, throwing it my way. I, you know, definitely reading books outside of, of the realm. I, I, I really enjoy doing, and I also enjoy asking uh, what, what people are reading uh, you know, so sometimes that conversation too leads me to 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 different things. But then I would also say too, for for me, a lot of it is music and and film um, and and drawing meanings from, you know, either the history of a band or um, you know, maybe it's an inspirational film or there's a scene in a film uh, that that i'll I'll come across. Um, very much um and and i learned a little bit of this from from my dad my dad is 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 a big time movie buff and and i remember he recommended the the classic uh world war ii film 12 o'clock high starring gregory peck and and he had said that that film uh was taught or used as an example for for business executives in terms of um kind of wrapping their heads around change leadership. And I always found that fascinating, um, you know, film and scenes and things like that. And, and then I would say the other thing too, and, and I know you, you do this as well is maybe it's not necessarily an educator thing, but I know a lot of educators do this, but exercise, um, mm. you know, sometimes I'll get, get my best ideas from a workout um now i i am no um uh, olympian or or marathon kind of person i'm not one of those guys but but i do find that that sometimes the art or the act rather of doing something that's not in in the grind of of the day um i get a lot of inspiration from outside um you know again very similar to 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 marcus and and stacy and really that whole sequence of of learning that's going on in in in, in season two uh with, with the different characters that where where Carmi is 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 pushing them uh elsewhere to to mm. to, to either learn uh directly uh in, in their discipline or or in, in some ways outside as Stacy is reading that that book Leading with Heart by Coach K. Mm. You're making me think of Tina a little bit. Yes, she's easily one of my most favorite characters because she reminds me of some really important lessons that I've learned. You know, she starts the season being um, very opposed to doing things differently, um, listening to feedback from from Sydney, and and then you see that she you know, taste something that Sydney made and she humble, humbles herself to realize like, okay, wow, that's actually really good. I'm a little, and then she, you see her add extra seasoning that Sydney had added the next time she personally makes it. And then you see Sydney give her positive feedback about her dish and the way that she, it's childlike, the way that she lights up. And I think it softens you toward her and you realize, okay, you know, she's, she's just somebody who needs someone to pour into them um, yes. and help her, you know, realize the assets that she's bringing to this kitchen and the talent that she brings and that she can learn new things and that, and 
I just think she's such an important reminder. It's very easy to give up on people or just decide people are just one way and that they're always going to be stuck um, in, in their way. And sometimes I think the people who need love the most are the ones who ask for it in, in unlovable ways, for lack of a better description. And so for me, that's just a great reminder, whether it's students in our classroom or the adults that we work with who tend to be uh, negative, you know, they seem a little negative or rough around the edges or, you know, mm -hmm. always anti to the change, or, you know, or what have you that, you know, we can learn a lot uh, from those individuals. And but also, you know, they, they have more potential than you may realize in the initial moment. Beautifully said, Megan, because the character of Tina in season one and, and all of the characters in in some way go on a journey and and go through some level of of transformation or or in other cases, they're in the middle of, of a transformation and it's not necessarily resolved um, based upon the events of, of season two, the way that it kind there's this this abrupt ending. Um but but Tina is someone that you know when I when I saw it first saw her character and I I didn't like her I mm -hmm. I I found her to be a bully I found her to to be mean spirited There's a couple of moments where she does some things intentionally to sabotage the character of of, of Stacy Now some of that is is restaurant kitchen politics. Um, and, 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 and unfortunately that, that, that does happen. Uh, I say that as, as somebody used to, used to wait tables and, and, and bus tables as a kid, but by, by the, but by, by the time you, when, when you, when you just see how she is and to use your word, it, it, literally savoring uh, the, 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 the things that are, that are happening in the kitchen, she savors uh the, the the family that that is built in that unit and then you see how she is just soaking up and she's so open to to learning and growing and going to culinary school and and that moment when when um Carmi gives her his you know you know one one of those one of one of his special knives mm -hmm. um it it, it 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 is a reminder you know because you know we tend to villainize and and the, the 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 negative voices and 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 the naysayers uh that that are in that are in our profession it's and it's very easy to do so right um but here in the bear I don't think there are and it's very similar to Ted lasso you may think someone's a a villain but there's there's there, there's a reason why they they may be cast that way or why they cast themselves uh that way. And, and, and when, when Tina says at, at several times throughout when she, when she becomes vulnerable and she'll tell Carme or, or she'll tell Richie, I, I loved, I loved Michael. I loved Mikey. I loved him too. You know what he meant to me? Um, you know, almost, and, and she's this, a, a maternal figure, you know, uh, very much a mom, mother figure in the, in, in the show. So I, uh, it's a, a very powerful lesson learned for, for those of us that, you know, crusade against the status quo and we villainize and demonize. 
you know, these, these folks that, you know, stand in, you know, that, that stereotypically stand in the way of change. Right. Uh, but there's more to them. They have value, I believe. Um, mm. And, and, and what's at the root of, of their hesitancy, what's at the root of, of their negativity. And, and maybe if we get to the root of that, we may find something and discover something that, uh, you know, adds up to more than what we think. Hmm. I love those examples you gave about Tina. And I think you see that she's afraid, um, you know, she's afraid to not be successful, afraid of what her place is going to be now that Michael is gone. And I do think a lot of the behavior sometimes that we see adult behavior, student behavior that I think taking a closer look at whether or not there's fear in place, fear of the unknown, fear of can I do this? What's it going to take to do this? Um, is at play. And I loved what you said about the other characters as well, because I was telling my husband Mario this about the show as I was reflecting. What's very unique about this show is that they show the deeply human and sometimes ugly side of these characters mm. and you still find yourself loving all of them and rooting for them. And it's unique in that usually when you watch, or even if you read a fiction book in the plot, you know, there's typically there's a villain, there's, you know, protagonist, antagonist. In this show, I think the antagonist is, is people's own personal battles. I can't think of, one specific person that yeah, is yeah. against these people and you i think it's just really a beautiful reminder they're so flawed and imperfect and you still love them and see the good in them and it's a really important reminder for all of us that that can be true for us and the people in our lives too absolutely that I, I think you just wrote a blog post there. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. That that that's a rewindable moment, as I often say on the podcast. Um, so when 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 we uh, press uh, submit on this and it goes to um, to publish, uh, you need to go back to what you just said because I think that's that's either your concluding sentence or your opening sentence. I don't know what it is, but there's there's something there, my friend. <laughs> Thank you for that. I definitely will. Uh, I'll think about that more. One of the things too, in 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 our um, texting back and forth and and tweeting back and forth since our first conversation is is the and and this really comes through in in season two uh, is the concept of time. There's a lot of references, and and I'm I, I'm I'm kind of rewatching the uh, season two uh, with, with my wife, we started watching season one and, and then she started falling asleep, but I kept going. And, uh, mm -hmm. and, and then, and then I, I went actually, she stopped, she felt she, she kind of dropped off uh, at episode four of season one. So then we, we restarted back and now we're, we're about halfway through season two. So I'm picking up on, on different things. And in season two, I'm picking up on the urgency of time. 
there's a lot of references to alarm clocks, timers, especially in the Christmas episode. Um, and, and then, yeah, we're, we're going to go to down the path of the Christmas episode. We we would be remiss if we didn't a little bit later. But every second counts. I would love to hear your take on on that. There's um, it, it it comes up quite a bit. It does come up quite a bit. And I want to hear your thinking too. It feels really important. In my case, I think about, you know, I write about this in my book. My my dad passed away from leukemia when he was 33 years old. And when I turned, the year I was turning 34 was a really strange year for me because I didn't know how to be older than my dad. Uh, like, what does that mean as far as like the, you know, here you always think about your parent, you know, being older than you. Um, and here I, I couldn't quite fathom, you know, what that was going to mean for how I was going to think about him. Um, I know that it's kind of hard to describe, but I've heard others who experience it. Mm-hmm. say that they've felt something similar. And I think the the way that I found a path forward and found healing that year uh, was through doing some work for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Um, but also, I think what I realized was I could pursue every day and every year that I got to live that he never got to experience um, as a 34 year old, 35 year old, you know, now I'm 41 that I could pay tribute to him and his legacy by living fully for both of us. And there was something about thinking about it that way that gave me permission to enjoy. I use that word savor a lot, but there was something about thinking in that manner that was very healing. And so when I think about every second counts, I also want to never forget to be grateful for the simple gift of another day. Yeah. Thank you for, for sharing that. That's, uh, that's quite powerful, my friend. And, and I know, um, the listeners that are tuning in to appreciate you sharing that, 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 that personal, that personal memory. And, and, and we receive that as a gift, you know, with, with every second counts, I, and it, and it really, to me, there's, there's a few things there. Um, you know, one in, in terms of the urgency of time and, and savoring the time that we have with, with those whom we love, and then I also see it too as, as um, you know, someone that I I I'm a big picture person, and I often describe myself as staying at forty thousand feet, and and often I don't take the time to look at a detail or two, and and mm-hmm. and and season two and it's, and and there's and it goes into so many different places where all of these small things matter to to a larger whole and that we have to pay attention to them 
and 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 put put some thought and and heart into it. So I I, I often don't see it as as a time thing, but I see it as as an intentional thing, not, not, not necessarily every second counts, but you know, second is a, is, is a smaller, is a smaller version of time or a smaller measure of, of time. Right. And, and how you, you see all of these kind of small attentions to details and they all matter. Uh, whether, whether it is, you know, in, in Copenhagen, when, when they take the tweezers and, and he's, and, 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 Marcus is learning how to put the whatever that thing is on on the pastry, right? Um, and and or or even Richie, uh, where where he he takes um, he he learns the value of that, right? When he has his little apprenticeship, in terms of the placing of forks and and why those things matter, um, and and you know so often in our gig, right? You know we're we're very goal oriented big goal oriented right and we've got to get hit this mark but there's a lot of small things that add up to that mark or that goal or 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 whatever that may be that that cannot be overlooked uh whether it is the 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 uh the, the conversation that we have on the way to to a faculty meeting or another meeting or another appointment and that conversation uh may not be a um a big de- big de- a big deal to to those that are waiting for you to get to the meeting but it is a big that that the, those 5 minutes that we take or 30 seconds that we take to to connect with a child or to connect with a teacher or to connect with a colleague to say hey how are you hey did you watch the game last night hey how how um hey why 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 are you wearing that today or wow that's beautiful or what whatever it may be um those things matter and those things resonate right Mm, I'm so glad you went there with that. Uh, and speaking of Richie and details, I'm reminded of, well, let me start by saying this. I said, you know, that all the characters are lovable and they're flawed. I had the hardest time with Richie mm. and I didn't feel a fan of season one. Um, I wouldn't have been able to say what I said about all of the characters, you know, being flawed, but lovable. I had a really hard time with Richie until season two. And we get a little deeper into, um, you know, what makes Richie tick and where his struggles come from. And you mentioned that about detailed work. And he has that moment with Terry, the Michelin star restaurant owner, where he goes and has his apprenticeship. And the two of them are peeling mushrooms. Yes. And, you know, he asked her, I'm like, why are we doing this? And she was saying, you know, that this is a way that we let people know that a lot of time and care went into their dish. It's just a little detail uh, mm-hmm. that shows them that. And he goes on to say, though, you know, why are you doing this, though? You have all these people that work here. Someone could do this. And she says that by doing it, it uh, is respect. It feels attached. I think time spent doing this is well spent. And I think about mm-hmm. how easy it is sometimes you know, whether it's walking by a piece of trash on the ground and picking it up in the hallway of the school uh, or jumping into a classroom and, and helping out uh, when you see that there's a need and, and you've got a couple minutes where you could do that. I think staying grounded and ensuring that there's no work that's below any of us is really important in respecting what it takes for every person to to do the work 
and make this place work. And, you know, I'm actually reminded of, um, I wrote this in someone's evaluation last year. I refer to them as someone who paints ladders. Uh, And the story comes from my husband actually works in, in college basketball and they had won their conference and you know how teams will go up the ladder and they'll take turns cutting a piece of the net off and holding yes. it in the air. And they, and they get to hold on to that piece of, of net. And uh, the night before, you know, he looked and saw that, you know, indeed they had a ladder, but the ladder was yellow and their colors are, are Navy and white. And he thought, okay, well, this is a monumental moment. There's going to be a lot of pictures taken. People are going to cherish these photos and this memory forever. Mm-hmm. This ladder needs to be blue. And he, st- you know, he would never tell this story to other people. Uh, you know, he's not braggadocious in that way, but he stayed really late and painted that ladder blue. And, right. you know, I think if you were to look at his job description, painting ladders isn't isn't listed and yet that small detail to make something really special uh, and memorable for people it matters and i think those of us like like you who take the time to have those hallway conversations and you said something to me before we press record about how important it is to you that people feel like they're the only person in the room and that you appreciate when people do that for you um those are the kind of people with the attention to detail and, and attention to others that make make this life, this work really special and make us feel like, you know what, I'm I've got some potential and capability here because this person cared and they see something in me. And at the end of that conversation, Richie and Terry have, you know, she says he's really skeptical about why Carmi sent him there. I think he thinks deep down that he was just getting on his nerves and that he just needed to ship him off for a little bit because the truth was Richie wasn't really contributing in a meaningful way. He was causing more problems for everybody, floundering, looking for his place of value. And, you know, she says to him uh, that something along the lines of, um, I think she says, you know, he was right about you. And yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. And Richie says, you know, well, what makes you say that? Um, or no, she says he believes in you, you know, that's what she says. He believes yeah. in you, you know, and, and Richie says, what makes you say that? And she says, he told me, and he said, you're good with people. And then she affirms it, you know, by saying he's right, you know, and now here there, there are these two people that Richie uh, looks up to who have that to say about him. And from that moment on, Richie is showing up differently back home in that restaurant. And I just think that's such a powerful reminder for all of us. Like you said, every second counts. And you gave those great examples. That is the perfect example of no small moments right there. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that scene, I, I adore that actress that who, who plays Terry Olivia Coleman. And it's so, it's so natural it's so real that scene is i mean there's a lot of real in in the bear but 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 that scene is so real without it getting in in um in in your face right and mm-hmm. and 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 the actor who play who plays richie evan moss backrock um 
his transformation is is the most powerful because when when we meet him in season one, he is this misogynistic, homophobic, cocaine dealing. Um, <laughs> I mean, he's a jerk, and and he, you know, he bullies everyone in the restaurant. You know, he and Sydney have that that really intense argument, and then she accidentally stabs him in the butt, and. <laughs> You know, and he goes, All right, I've been stabbed. You know, he turns around. <laughs> and and then at by by the time we get to the beginning, and, and he's fighting, right? He's fighting against all of the changes that Carmi is doing. He's fighting hard. He feels like he is the the uh the real heir to the beef, that he is the real heir to Mikey's vision of of the restaurant. And then when we meet him at the beginning of season two, we see the beginning of this journey where he's quoting philosophy. He's quoting Siddhartha. You know, he's trying to find ways to improve himself. Uh, I think a lot of that is driven by, by him wanting to connect with his daughter. And, um, you know, he's, he's overcoming, we learn that he's overcoming a, a real, a broken heart, uh, very bitter divorce uh, with with uh, who, who 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 we I guess we later learn is the love of his life, but but this it, it's such a powerful transformation and I and I remember um, you, you had hinted at this. Um, my sister uh, who who had, who had recommended the show to me and said just wait just hold on to Richie's transformation. It's it's powerful uh, and it pays off in so many ways. Right, you know oh. Mm. I loved what you, you that you mentioned the detail about the forks, which comes up multiple times, including when he goes back and wants to set that standard uh, for Carmi's restaurant. Uh, and I love the scene where you know he finally, in that apprenticeship, leans into the fact that he needs to humble himself in the smaller details like that of forks. And then, then you know, the guy runs in because they need some help, and he's like, you know, basically like, "You're in. We need you out out front." And Richie says, "No more forks." And he, he hands him the suit to put on and he puts on that suit and he says, quote, feels kind of like armor. Mm -hmm. And you realize for the first time, he understands what it feels like to respect yourself and carry yourself uh, with respect. And from then on out, it, it's humorous, but also endearing that, you know, he always wear suits and yes he he heads home and people are like suits and he's very uh he says you know yeah i wear suits now it makes me feel good about myself yeah and i just love that uh and it, it takes them a minute but i think there's another lesson there you know whether it's carmy's sister because you know they very much so she and richie had such a strained relationship um or otherwise they allow richie to reinvent himself here's this person who's caused probably all kinds of trauma in all of their history. And, you know, he genuinely apologizes uh, to, to Carmi's sister and she accepts it. And then they accept him as a new evolved version of himself. And I think another reminder for me in all of that is that, you know, the, the best kind of friends um, or people in our lives are the ones that, support us in changing and evolving. Yeah. They don't make us stay stuck um, one way that they remember us being. 
in the past. But if, if, if it's a good change and evolution, they're rooting for us. And I think, wow, I want to continue to reflect on how I can be more that way uh, for the people in my circle too. And, and when that happens in, in the schoolhouse or department or district, when I, I love how the, the, the culture of the bear and, and, and there's this kind of, and I don't think it's, it, it's written anywhere and, but it's on, it's how they accept Richie, you know, as he goes through this transformation. And I think that has everything to do with culture and, 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 you know, sometimes I, I get uh, uh, a little heartbroken when, when, when I've seen this from a leadership perspective or, or educator perspective is that when you do see uh, characters in the schoolhouse like Richie making efforts to change and improve or Tina, you know, uh, want, wanting to learn as much as she can uh, about, about being, being the best chef, all of them. And, and, Carmi has has kind of fostered this culture where that's allowed. But I'm often heartbroken when when I see the opposite. When you see folks that 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 make a change or try to do something different and step outside their comfort zone and 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 improve or whatever and then there is this um resistance uh or vocal like what are you doing, you know, and and how could you and 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 then and then folks retreat. Here, I don't you, you in the bear you 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 don't see that. Uh, but then then it got me thinking about other times and and other gigs where where I've seen folks really make an effort to change. And maybe it's not the change I want them to make as as a leader. <laughs> uh, but but it's but it's, it's it's still a change. It's it's going in a it's going in a, a forward direction or a different direction or it's leading to growth and it's resonating uh and and then there there is a little bit of peer pressure to not go that way or or to hesitate because uh, a person wants to feel like they belong or doesn't want to be an outlier or or or, or what have you you know what i mean i do uh you're actually making me think a little bit about sydney's story too because you know she had that failed catering business and when she first comes to Carmi he's a little surprised that you know she wants to work there he feels you know like her training and experience is beyond what she would start out doing there and then she has this conversation with her dad and this is later probably in season two and you know she's talking to him about how she you know she really needs to find her thing I need to find the thing and he's like well you know no matter what if you need to keep living with me forever, you could live here. And it's, it's such a sweet thing for him to say, but she seems irritated by it. Uh, and I, I didn't quite understand that. And I don't know if I fully do yet, but like by the end of season two, he goes and they have that, you know, friends and family night and he experiences her dishes and he's blown away by not only her talent, but also the culture of that restaurant, like you beautifully explained and you know how they treat treated him and, and knew that he just wanted a soda for his table. And he finds her throwing up in the back, you know, because the stress and, and just being so maxed out, um, he finds her in the back and he tells her, you know, this is the thing. And yes, you line. know, like there's that moment between them, like, yep, this is the thing. This is the and thing. I think 
sometimes, you know, we don't fully understand exactly why someone might be seemingly over the top about something that really matters to them um, or the standard that they have on something that feels extreme to us, you know, or whatever it is. I think, you know, sometimes everybody just needs a thing that is going to remind them, you know, I I can do a good job. Um, This makes me feel good about myself. What I'm doing matters every day. And, And maybe the thing that they've pursued isn't the thing that we personally connect with but it doesn't mean that it's not important. And I thought that was something for me to take away, you know, from Sydney's story about her thing. Yeah. Megan, for you, what's your thing? What's the thing? I'm curious. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. I like that question. I think I hope to be somebody who leaves people believing more deeply in their capabilities. I think it's really important to me that no matter what conversation I'm in, what work I'm a part of, what meeting I'm in, that if I share space with people, they leave feeling lighter, not heavier. Um, And they leave feeling more capable um, then they walked in. And I think it's also important to me that people feel connected and like they're not in this by themselves. That's my thing, I think. That's a good thing to have. And and I, I'm just thinking how fortunate folks are to to be on the receiving end of that. So that's that's very cool. I think I think too that I'm I'm also kind of ruminating on what what we call this episode. Um and maybe it's the thing lessons lessons from the bear <laughs> you know uh, what's what's your thing uh i thanks i think for me it's it's meaningful collaboration where where everyone feels valued and and everyone feels um compelled together to do something differently and, and, and innovatively, you know, so, um, you know, Carmi, uh, and, and I'm, and I'm not a Michelin chef or, or what have you. And, and I don't espouse his, some of his lifestyle choices are pretty intense. Uh, you know, he, he's, he's kind of stripped himself and cut himself all off for this art. Right. But, I, I always, I, I always try to see things beyond what they are and, and see that things can, can be, be different, uh, or, or taken to, to a level that that's going to help change the world or change the world for somebody. Um, you know, that's at the core of, of what I try to do is, is I want to do my part to, to help make the world better for others and, and to feel connected to, to that world. Um, and, and, and it's probably a lot of why, why I've really just been um, connected to the bear. I've really just felt this, this, this kinship. Right. And it, uh, it it's, that's been my thing because it's, it's reflected my thing, if that makes any sense. <laughs> 
<laughs> makes, well, it makes a lot of sense. I, I think if more people led through others in the way that you described and nurtured true collaboration, not cooperation, not coordination, yeah. you know, but collaboration, I think the world would change if we relied on each other more in that way. Absolutely. One one of the things too in the bear that that I appreciated and and I also appreciated you sending this to me is the deliberate use of music. And there there were so many things little details musically that that uh really resonated for me and and then when you sent me the uh the Spotify playlist I, which I believe is every song that's played whether it was for a second in 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 any part of the bear or uh maybe a longer version um but but there was just some things there that just really just stood out to me uh whether it was the use of Elvis Costello's beyond belief in that Christmas scene during that just that there's a really kind of uh frenetic scene and that song is used to great effect or um the the ending of season one with the use of Radiohead's letdown um and and that's that's that last scene of still just gets me to hard tears when Mikey um and and Carmi exchange those glances in that memory uh when they you know when uh they find the money oh, just there's just so much there but uh I I value the use of music there and we we you know this is the principal liner notes podcast the, the big part of this podcast is music um but but I'd love to hear your take on on the use of music in in both seasons of the bear mm. I think what I loved about the music is that there's some, it transcends uh, across decades, uh, the representation of different uh, artists and styles of music. Yeah. But even, even that uh, scene with Richie that I talked about him putting the suit on and going out front, mm-hmm. the uh, sort of, you almost felt like it was a scene from Rocky, the way that the music is playing, where it's like, oh, it's game time. Like he is definitely going to be jumping into a high pressure, intense situation. The way that they used music in that scene to elevate your ability to climb into that feeling and, and feel the intensity uh, behind it. I just think it reminded me of a lot of things. But one thing I think I texted you about is the way that music can help you tap into things that you might struggle to verbalize or things that are under the surface Mm -hmm. that you didn't realize that you felt or um, how memory takes you back or music takes you back to a memory or a time that you hadn't thought about um, in quite some time. And it might even take you a while to think like, okay, this is how I'm feeling right now. As I listen to this music in the opening scene, where do I think this is coming from? And then you're like, Oh, that's, you know, from a time in my life where that was a really hard time for me. You know, that's why I'm feeling a little sad hearing it. I mean, it's amazing that I think music allows you to realize that there are things that your heart and spirit remember or that are important to you that you um, have pushed down or that you've been so like caught up in the cerebral side of your work or your daily life. And, like you need to kind of tap back into the heart and soul of the work. And that's what I think music does so well on the show it makes me wonder like how it might 
contribute to our work um, and bringing that heart back to the work in our schools too. Also, how do you, where do you see that happening in schools? I love that though. Like, I, I'm somebody who likes to play music when people walk into a meeting. And so, yeah, you know, and I'm, I'm also someone who feeds on other people's energy. And I think, you know, if you want people to be excited about or energized by what's to come, music is a great way uh, to create a feeling and an ambiance for people. And I've, um, I've told some other people that I, I learned this from one of Alina Aguilar's books um, that, you know, treating meetings um, or learning sessions like it is a dinner party you're throwing for close friends can help people feel special and more connected and something that you might find at a dinner party or a gathering is music. And so that's one example of, of how that looks in my work. Um, sometimes I'll shift gears in a meeting and we'll do a gallery walk um, or we'll make connections between pieces of art and what we are aspiring to create, you know, like in an ELA course of study um, mm. as an example and changing you know, having music playing that you might hear in a museum or a gallery allows people to take on the spirit of, you know, what you hope they'll bring out of that um, exercise with you, kind of calming the mind and slowing things down because we're in such a rush um, in schools. And so, you know, you and I talked about the rush of daily school life. Um, I think music is also a tool I write about in my book that, um, some people will use it as a teacher, though, whatever song they have playing. If secondary students, you know, where there's all these class changes, like that next class is walking in with a specific song playing, the teacher could um, have certain songs that match certain classroom setups. So when they walk in and they hear a specific song playing, like, oh, this like super fun song is that reminder that we're you know, moving the desks into groups of three mm. today. And so you're not only setting the tone for fun and collaboration, you're also signaling to them um, that it's time for them to help out and giving them a sense of ownership over what's about to happen. And they're feeling you know, valuable, like they're con contributing to that uh, community. So I don't know. Those are just some things that come to mind for me. Uh, you are somebody who I love to hear talk about music with your passion and vast knowledge. Uh, I'm curious the kinds of things that you're thinking about. Thank you. I, well, one, I, I want to go to one of your meetings. So <laughs> <laughs> and, and I would love, man, that would be fun to, to plan a playlist with you. And, and that, that actually, you know, you and I've been talking about some collaborative opportunities for, for you and me. And that, that actually might be a, a very interesting entry point for us um and and uh and curating some music and 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 the intentional use of music in spaces um that actually would be a fun project to do uh we'll we'll, we'll have to add that to our brainstorm uh session but um i i really believe that that music is is that divine voice that connects us and i've talked about it on the podcast i've written about it and it, it, it doesn't matter whether you are, um, you know, in, in, in Cincinnati or, or Winston-Salem, uh, everyone has some 
tie, I believe this, to, to music. Music is, is a part of our DNA. Um, I often use music as an entry point for conversation. Uh, I did it as, as, as a teacher uh, where I would ask my, my students, what's on your turntable? What are you listening to? And, and even if I didn't know uh, who the Smashing Pumpkins were or, you know, who, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, Tupac was and, and, and all of that, uh, I, I would f- try to find some sort of connection. So, and, 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 and that might, that might just be, if I saw that person, saw that student, um, and, and I would say, Hey, thank, you know, are, are the pumpkin smashing, you know, and, and, and turn it into <laughs> elk or right. You know, or, um, you know, if, if I knew, um, if I was teaching a bit of literature and I, I did this, uh, to great effect with the great Gatsby, um, you know, well, what what would be you know what what kind of song would um, uh, be written by um, you know um, uh, Biggie Smalls about the character of Tom Buchanan? What song would that be, right? Um, you know, and often I I you know I I don't use music um, in meetings enough, so I I, I you know I, I'd like to bring that back. Um, but I might put a song in, in, in my weekly memo blog. Um, but I often use it as an entry point. You know, what are you listening to? What's what's on your turntable? I, I still I still do that. Uh, if you go into my office, you'll see pictures of the Beatles. Um, and and usually someone will will say, Oh, I know them, or I have a favorite Beatles song, or or what have you. So I'm very um unabashed about my love for music. Because I do believe, um, not not just from the pleasure that I receive from it, and whether listening or playing or performing, but but just it's it's that connection, because I think it, because it's part of our DNA. It's what it is. It's who we are. Um, so that, but but again, I, I I love how you you use that for meetings and and, and space and that that, uh, that I don't think we do that enough. So. Uh, I'm going to take a page from your book. Well, I'm going to take a page from your book too. And there's something that you said about, I think the question that you said you asked was, you know, what are you listening to right now? I really like that question. Uh, You know, all of our meetings start with check-ins. I think that's a really fun check-in question. Yeah, It's also a fun spin on something that I ask people in a survey at the beginning of the year the people I support, I ask them a series of questions. One of the questions I ask them is what would be their walk-up song? You know, what's the song that gets them jazzed to do and energized to do their very best work? And then I try to piece those uh, songs together in a playlist, which side note, I would love to build a meeting playlist with you. So we definitely need to talk about that yeah. more. Uh, but I do wonder what it would look like to also build some playlists of just songs that, okay, it's not a walk-up song, but they're songs that people say they're listening to right now. And how do we use that to go deeper in a conversation, like you said, um, about, you know, what anything that's on our mind or what's going on with us right now or why that song really resonates. So I appreciate you sharing that prompt. What are you listening to right now? It's a lot of fun, you know, and, and it, it, uh, it creates conversation. And, and when you create conversation, you find kinship. When you find kinship, you find trust. When you find trust, you find belonging. When you find belonging, then then that can lead to uh, 
to action and dynamic action and intentional action. Um, you, I, I also appreciate your your um, your connection to uh, Elena Aguilar and 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 her analogy of, of the dinner party. There is an infamous uh, dinner party in season two of the bear <laughs> and that, and that is the fishes episode and and uh the <laughs> a a christmas dinner that will will live in infamy um you you had prepared me for it and just said just watch out um my sister courtney uh had prepared me for it and, and had said that that episode is going to explain why people are the way they are um but in many ways it, it does that, but in many ways it also creates more questions uh, for me. And, the, and there are characters that are, that are introduced in, in that episode that, that are, that are, that, that are not referenced prior to and aren't referenced afterwards. And, but it is just chalk full of just great cameos. Give the Emmy to Jamie Lee Curtis now. Uh <laughs> Playing the mother of the Berzados, Donna, and um, you know, just it. it what, 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 what? What's your take on that on that episode? Hmm. <laughs> uh, so well said about all aspects of characters and questions and questions answered. And it was very artfully filmed too. I think you really feel like you're in the kitchen. Yep you know, with all the timers and the chaos and you empathize with Carmi who just so badly wants to make everything okay and help his mom feel okay. Uh, you know, my first reaction to that scene was, okay, you know, this is a nice reminder that crazy things happen in everybody's families, you know, <laughs> like yeah, <laughs> you, they're sort of like, okay, uh, um, not everybody's Christmas is perfect every year and, and I'm no exception. But two, um, I think the scene where Michael comes under attack in that uh, conflict that he has, um, I don't know if that's his stepfather or if, you know, who, who do you perceive that to be that was really coming at him quite hard? Yeah. Uncle Lee. Table. Yeah, Uncle Lee played by by Bob Odenkirk, and 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 that's the thing too is we're not a hundred percent sure of everyone's relationship, so that, that's <laughs> that's key. So like Richie and and Carmi call themselves cousin very affectionately, but they're not cousins. Uh, right. Cicero is is referred to as uncle, but he's not an uncle. And and then and then the Bob Odenkirk character, you, you don't. I don't know who he is. You don't know is is he a, you know, clearly he's a friend of the father's, but but is is he a, is he a stepdad? Is he a former stepdad? Is 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 he? Uh, did did he and Jamie Lee Curtis have a thing? Do they still have a thing? Um, there there's a lot of <laughs> there's just a lot of un, like I said, a lot of unanswered questions. But but yeah, Mikey and and Lee have that that standoff at dinner with the forks <laughs> it was so incredibly uncomfortable and i remember yes. you know like first of all it reminds me of plenty of moments whether it's in my work or in my personal life where i've wanted to be invisible because things are so uncomfortable and you can feel yourself like you would want to just hide under the table yep. i also felt so badly for everybody who just wanted to have 
a nice dinner and you know what that feels like uh, for probably a lot of people not just at dinners but in general you know you just really could use a nice moment and you know whether in the classroom too like I would really just like for this to be a nice moment and a couple of you know people are making that hard Uh, and then there was part of me that was like man this guy deserves to get this fork from Michael you know I just felt for for Michael uh, and, and he wasn't handling it well. And I know what that feels like too, um, to be the, you know, kind of feeling like you're just going to explode with the big feelings that you have. And, and then I think about, you know, Carmi and, and his mom and that really painful scene, you know, where she struggles to articulate what she needs or feels yeah. um, and struggles, you know, to, to let him be there for her um, in a way that would probably have been more healthy. Um, and him sort of like, as an adult child of hers grappling with I'm an adult and I feel like I know what's best right now, but this is my mom, the authority figure who's telling me something different and what a conundrum to be in. And I imagine that many of us sometime in our lifetime, whether we're current currently experiencing it or will in the future have been in some kind of situation that felt that way. Yeah. It, um, and even even like the tight close-ups in in that episode of of people's faces, like you're, it it gets very claustrophobic. In, <laughs> and 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 if we recall the the episode prior to that is is this kind of slow ASMR Copenhagen and Marcus you know experiencing art, and it's a very light, airy, sublime episode. And then it, we go right to Sugar's, that tight close-up of, of the cigarette. Sugar's got the cigarette in her hand. And then you go to her face. And then, and then, and then Michael uh, come, comes li- literally out of the frame in two. And, and, it's, and, and then it ends with, with just this chaotic, apocalyptic car crash. Literally, it's a literal car crash where where Jamie Lee Curtis's character rams the car into the house and it's comedic and sad all at the same time and disturbing. Uh, and, and then the and what about the shot of, of Sugar's face when all that's mm. happening? The 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 just the, the the turmoil, the epiphany, the um, it, it it's it's heavy. Whew. I love what you said about the close-ups because when I think about that scene, feeling really close to her face is the thing that I remember the most. And yeah. I think that was by design where you, you know, she is such a tormented uh, character and you want so badly to make this a nice Christmas and you feel like you're really there with her trying to figure this out. And, and, and then when her character reappears so sadly in the final episode of season two and it echoes what she to your point what she said that 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 kind of that last conversation she has with carmy in the kitchen where she says all i want to do is make beautiful things i wanted i want to make beauty that's all i want this night to be and and no one appreciates it and and then i end up destroying it 
And mm. then she echoes that again in, in that just probably one of the saddest scenes in the series where, where she's outside the restaurant and sugars, um, husband is encouraging her to come in and she says no don't even tell them i was here um it's heartbreaking isn't it Mm -hmm. yeah that scene was incredibly heartbreaking you just wanted to get her well part of me wanted to get her through the door and then part of me thought like i wonder if she's right you know like as sad as that is to say like not that they wouldn't want to see her you know but how would it go? And sort of that, I guess, where you, you're at that crossroads would be the word I would use. It was such a crossroads moment where you see both sides and you want everyone to have her um, and have their family intact in that restaurant. And then you think about, you know, how much struggle there is surrounding her and how much pain and whether or not could it go okay i mean i get both sides of it yeah same here um there's so many layers in in the bear um on on so many levels i um i picked up on even just being a fan of the beach boys um Mm. and and the usage of 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 kind of three songs from the beach boys oeuvre um you know kind of paralleling um when the band was kind of breaking away from surf music and i and i see that and that literally um that that same tension uh happened you know in the beach boys between brian wilson who wanted to be more experimental and avant-garde and going away from the surf uh, surf music, uh, and and that contrasted literally with his cousin in the band, Mike Love, who wanted to do more of the hits and surf music. And I saw that in 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 the character of Carmi and Richie, you know, fighting for the soul and legacy of of the restaurant. And here's that word legacy again, Megan, which which uh, I'd like to seg into. Um, for those, uh, who may not know, and we, we did make a ref, you, you made a couple of references, uh, to your upcoming book, Legacy of Learning, but, but for those who, who may not be familiar with that, that you do have a, a, a great book coming, um, I'd love for you to just to share a little bit, um, about, uh, about the book and, um, and, and, and just all of the love and, and, and soul and intentionality you put into it. Cause I, I adore that book and I can't wait for it to come out. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. There's a, a scene at the end of season two where Carmi gets stuck in the, in the cooler yeah, in the fridge, whatever the closet name is for that, that's, you know, yeah. that's face and he can't get out. Uh, and how everybody steps up to make things work and Mm. um, the realization that everyone is this ecosystem that's connected. Um, And if we all do our part and, and figure it out together, uh, incredible things happen and we can do much more than we ever dreamed possible. That is what I hope is a takeaway from, from legacy of learning. Um, I think people, are overwhelmed. Um, I know on any given day I am, uh, I think it's a really hard time in education. And I hope that this book um, helps people find their way back to this work being both manageable and 
enjoyable. Mm. And I think I tried to write an honest book, uh, you know, that talks about some of my struggles and the things that I continue to learn lessons that I learn over and over again and uh, some practical strategies for, for just that, for making the work more manageable, um, having fun and getting excited to come every day um, and in turn doing the same for our colleagues and our students. And I hope that uh, anybody reading it would leave feeling, like I said earlier, lighter um, and encouraged. Hmm. I and and I definitely, having had the the privilege of previewing the book, both those things, um, I felt you know feeling lighter and and encouraged. So I know uh, the the book is is due out sometime this month of of October, and um, I can't wait for it to uh, to land um, on bookstores and bookshelves uh, everywhere and, and 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 Amazon. You mentioned the word ecosystem, which um, we would be remiss, um, kind of not mentioning because that that's the word that Richie uses in the beginning of season one when he's when he's fighting you know against the changes. Like this is a delicate ecosystem. He talked. He talked about. <laughs> This is a delicate ecosystem. And, 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 but then you see that happening at the end of season two, where, you know, Carmi is, is locked in that cooler. And then Richie steps up to the expo, right? He's like, I got this. I got this. And, and, um, you know, there's a disaster in the kitchen. They're, they're behind. It's opening night for friends and family. And all of those, you see the ecosystem in action everything is kind of working towards towards that part and 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 the 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 notion of delicate ecosystem which which arrives from richie again at at that point this kind of uh roused about cocaine dealing you know jerk and then he's transformed uh and and he's protecting the ecosystem he helps sustain the ecosystem in in this in this new version of of the beef which is now the bear i I just i couldn't let i couldn't let that go when you said ecosystem i don't know if that was intentional or not if you're making a nod to richie or not i wasn't i'm glad you reminded me that he said that and i'm 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 making connections between what you so artfully explained and our work in schools um you know that it's amazing what happens when people feel like they're building something together and that their unique gifts and talents are contributing to the greater good. And that's something that I do focus on in the book because it's so important to me. And you talked about this whenever you were talking about your thing, what's your thing going to be? I think, you know, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that is at the heart of what you're describing is what it looks like when you you know, instead of focusing so much on deficits, which we tend to do in school, whether it's with students or staff, not that we don't, you know, work on getting better, but where we spend just as much time, if not more, growing and nurturing the individual and collective brilliance of people so that we can 
use that, those assets to make an even better future, whether it's like using the talents that our kids have in our schools, um, you know, tapping into and utilizing um, the gifts that every single staff member brings. I just think it's too often um, overlooked. And I think one of the most beautiful legacies that we could have is to um, unearth, you know, the hidden gems of potential and other people and help them see that for themselves and nurture them on their path to, um, you know, succeeding in ways that they never dreamed possible. Mm. That, um, and that pretty much echoes the, the bear in many ways. I mean, Mm. and, and that's what each of the characters in some way shape or form whether whether it is it is subtly whether it is directly wh- whether it, it is done comedically in the character of feck um <laughs> we, we got to mention feck you know <laughs> <laughs> um but um you know that they, they all do that in in their own way for for each other and it's and it's kind of tied to this building upholding the legacy that that brother Mikey left, right? Hmm. Perfectly said. Oh, thank you, friend. I, uh, and you, you have many rewindable moments here, um, rewindable moments of, of perfection and, and, and insight. And I'm so just grateful for our kinship and our bonding over, uh, this this little series that that has kind of captured um, our attention called the bear. Mm, thank you. This is, this was chicken soup for my soul. So I appreciate the opportunity to to make those connections between our work and the show. And I just always appreciate uh, the opportunity to connect with you personally. I think you bring such heart and humanity to our profession, and I think we need it more than ever. Well, thank you, Megan. I, uh, I feel the same about you and, uh, you always, um, bring out the best and in, in such an intentional way. And like I said, I'm looking forward to the impending release of, of your book legacy of learning and, uh, friends, it is, it is worth, uh, pre-ordering when it, when it, when it goes live, it's worth picking up. I know it will be, uh, the source of, of, of great, faculty book talks and, and, and book clubs and, and insight. And it will be something that you'll revisit again and again, be sure to also subscribe to Megan's blog, uh, at meganlawson.com. Megan is spelled with, with an H. And, uh, if you, um, click on the link where it says, um, about, Megan, there's a there's a beautiful graphic there. The real work is the work we do on on ourselves. And um, this conversation is definitely any conversation with you, Megan, is always work that is that is being done for for the self. So so thank you for for that gift, friend. Likewise, this has been time well spent, and I know I'm going to carry this conversation into into my week and continue to think about how I can. I guess really honor some of the things that we've talked about here, specifically giving people space to evolve and grow 
and not giving up on people or making assumptions about others. I mean, there's just so many things that I'm going to go back and, and make note of that I, I know can make me better in my daily work. So thank you for making this space for us today. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for carving out space uh, on your, uh, this is Saturday. And so this is uh, this is a good bookend to uh, the week. And uh, we'll have to, um, you know, maybe, I know that I know that I'm going to carry this conversation uh, throughout the week, and I know that we'll we'll text and communicate in some way. But I also think too, um, you know, perhaps for listeners, uh, you know, whether it is through through uh, X or Instagram, may, maybe maybe we need to do a a little hashtag to keep the conversation going. Um, and, and for those folks that have insights for, from either this conversation or from the bear, um, you know, maybe it's hashtag lessons from the bear, um, and, and, and we'll invite others to share their insights, uh, as, as well. Cause I know you, you and I both appreciate connecting and finding kinship, um, with each other and, and, and others as well. So what, what do you think about that? I just, I just came up with that. <laughs> let's be sure to, let's be sure to do that. I would love to hear what connections people are making to the show there's endless connections that people can make and i would love to open up the dialogue so thank you let's do it yeah let's do that so hashtag lessons from the bear uh we'll put that in the show notes we'll put that out there um when when this uh pod podcast episode goes live which, which will probably be at some point later later in the course of the day because I, I always like to get things out fast um so we'll do that. So for those of you that are listening and and uh, are intrigued or or got an idea uh, from from watching uh, the bear or, or listening to uh, the conversation between uh, Megan and and me, uh, drop us uh, drop us a, a, a post at hashtag lessons from from the bear, and um, you can tag tag me in at sm. Gaylord and then and then Megan you you are what what's your what's your um I I, I know it but I I there's an understanding yeah. somewhere <laughs> there is yep it's at Megan M-E-G-H-A-N underscore Lawson L-A-W-S-O-N awesome awesome Lawson all right there's some rhyme there um <laughs> as as uh as we often um end the podcast with uh don't forgetting to share with the world your your dreams and your visions and and your ideas. So that goes without saying. But I also think too we should end this particular uh, this special episode devoted to um the bear with with an important line from the bear and that is every second counts and you uh the listener you count and you matter. And you definitely add to all of those things that make great art, great ideas, and great things happening, just as, Megan, you do the same. Mm, thank you, Chef. This is the Principal Liner Notes podcast. This is Sean Gaylord. I'm very grateful to have had Megan Lawson return for another episode of the Principal Liner Notes podcast. We look forward to continuing the conversation uh, with the hashtag lessons from the bear. So please be sure to tag us in that and we will circle back and we'll all, we'll just do the thank you chef. <laughs> <laughs>